Welcome to the Grad School Femme Touring Podcast. This is Dr. Yvette Martinez Vu, and I will be serving as your Femme Tour, providing you with tips and tricks and everything else you need to know to get into graduate school. For the past 10 years, I've been helping undergraduate students get into top graduate programs in their field, and I'm really excited to share this information with you too. All right, here we go. Today, I have a message that I want to share specifically to my juniors, the juniors in our McNair program, who we call rising seniors. They will be rising seniors in the summer and then seniors starting in the fall. Um, this message is for you. And this message is also for any rising seniors out there in <laughs> in my uh, listening world in the the grad school femme touring podcast world um, this message is for you for rising seniors who you know maybe you're a current student planning or hoping um, thinking about applying to grad school in the fall and maybe you're feeling a little bit overwhelmed about it um, i'm here to hopefully help make you feel a little bit better make things seem a little bit more um, what's the word, uh, doable, and just kind of address some of the things that might be freaking you out right now that might make, be making you feel overwhelmed or stressed out. Um, I've definitely been there as when I was an undergrad, and I know that those feelings are probably further compounded now because of the pandemic and just ongoing issues of inequity. Um, but I'm here to tell you that there is hope. So what's going on? What is stressing my students out? What may be stressing you out? A couple of things. So in our program, our students are required to conduct research while they're in the program. They're also required to study for the GRE in preparation for taking the exam in the summer and then applying to grad programs in the fall. Our students are also supposed to be developing strong ties with faculty in hopes that they will become recommenders. Um, our students are supposed to be maintaining their GPA, hopefully a 3.0 and above. Um, and then our students are supposed to be staying on top of the grad application process. And so this is a lot. This, is, this does not include um, familial responsibilities and obligations. This does not include part-time jobs that they may have to pay the bills and make ends meet. That doesn't include their own health, whether they're going through physical or mental health concerns. Um, so there's, there's a lot on your plate. I remember there was a lot on my plate when I was an undergrad and applying to grad school was overwhelming and it didn't seem feasible. And the only reason I did it was because I was required to do so. But the whole time along the way, I was wondering whether or not it was even gonna get done. And even more so, I was like, well, it's one thing to get it done and it's another thing to even get in. It just seems so out of reach. Um, so um, another thing that I remember as an undergrad was that not only did applying to grad school feel out of reach, it just, um, it was really hard to figure out how, how I was gonna get it all done and how I was gonna get prepared for it. And it was hard. Um, and so earlier today, I actually had a meeting with the student and they were kind of expressing some of those similar feelings of like, 
feeling like they don't have enough time, feeling like maybe they haven't been doing enough research. They don't, they uh, haven't had enough time to study for the GRE. They feel like they haven't been going to office hours. Um, they're struggling with that midterms and finals, feeling overwhelmed as to what to do and when to do it with regard to prepping for their grad applications. And just all of it just feels like, how am I even gonna get it done? Am I even gonna be able to apply to grad school? So I had to remind the student, like, it's okay. You're gonna get it done. You have our support. But um, more specifically, I wanna, I, I kind of mentioned some, I asked the student, what are the things that are freaking you out right now? And then I addressed each one of them. So those are the things I'm gonna address right now. Okay, so one thing is freaking out about not doing enough research. And so if you are like my students, if you um, are like I was when I was an undergrad, there was that expectation of doing research every quarter. And to be frank, I didn't do research every quarter. I didn't do research all the time. I constantly had it in the back of my head of like, I'm supposed to do research, I'm supposed to do research. But there were times, especially midterms, finals, when research went at the bottom of my list, I just didn't have enough time. I had to prioritize doing well on my midterms, on my finals, getting good grades, and so on. And um, I thought that I was always behind on my research and that, that <laughs> I wasn't doing enough. I wasn't gonna be competent enough. And that when I applied to grad school, whatever my writing sample was, they're gonna notice that, oh, like clearly she did not do enough, put in, a, put in enough time and this is not gonna cut it. In actuality, yes, you should be doing some research throughout the academic year. It is a requirement, but it's not the end of the world if you don't do it every week. It's not the end of the world if you don't have like a 15 page paper every quarter. Um, it's okay to do the bare minimum on your research so long as you have a plan for completing a research project in the summer. Um, I know that in our program, and I know that for a lot of graduate admissions committees, they want to make sure that you can complete a project from beginning to end, that you can complete um, a paper, for instance, a graduate level length paper, 15, 20, 25 pages. And so, so long as you've been working on it incrementally, even if some quarters not as much as or others, but by the time you graduate, you have a evidence of research, you have a graduate level length paper, 15, 20, 25, 10 for some STEM fields, whatever it is appropriate within your discipline, um, whether it's departmental, getting uh, working on a, on a thesis for departmental honors, or um, maybe you are submitting it to an undergraduate journal, or maybe you're just finishing a paper and submitting it to your program, whatever undergraduate research program you're a part of, and, and the paper is done and you've completed the project. Or it might not even be a paper. Maybe at the end of the summer, you weren't able to get into a lab, you weren't able to uh, get your IRB approval. And so you worked on a critical literature review or you worked on a proposal, that is still okay. I've seen all kinds of students with all kinds of writing, with all kinds of GPA, with all kinds of letters of rec, I've seen them all get into graduate programs. And so it's not the end of the world, okay? Just make sure you maintain your research in some way, shape or form. Um, and if not, have a plan for getting it done in the summer and you'll be fine. Okay, the next topic is freaking out about letters of rec, feeling like, oh my goodness, throughout this pandemic, 
I haven't had the capacity, just like the mental capacity to attend office hours. It's really hard to make a connection with professors when it's all over Zoom, when I'm Zoomed out, when I'm tired, when I've got family in the background, when like I can't, you know, I don't feel comfortable keeping my camera on, when my internet is slow, I don't have great Wi-Fi, I gotta keep my camera off because, you know, it keeps cutting on and off. There's so many reasons that you might not have developed strong ties with professors. Well, let me tell you, I've helped people get into graduate school without having strong relationships with professors. Like I've helped some folks who didn't even do, <laughs> didn't even do research in undergrad, didn't have a faculty mentor get into graduate school. Um, how? Um, you don't, ideally it would be nice to have recommendation letters from folks who know you very well. Ideally, maybe you might have had one, two, maybe three faculty mentors in undergrad and they can all write you glowing letters. But most of us don't live in an ideal world. For our students, I know they all have a faculty mentor, so they at least have one letter secured. For the other two, I recommend um, reviewing your transcripts. Take a look at the professors that you've taken. Is there someone whose class you took more than once? Um, or maybe you took a professor for a class more than once and you did well in those classes. You got someone you took twice, two different classes, got a B plus, A, A minus on the, in that class you are completely justified in asking for a recommendation letter, even if you did not attend office hours, even if you're afraid that they might not remember you. Um, professors have an obligation to, um, to write recommendation letters as part of their service work. They get to decide who they write letters for. But I mean, in, in my opinion, it makes complete sense to write a recommendation letter for a student who did well in their class. Why not? Why not? promote higher education. I mean, isn't that like the reason why they're still in academia to help that pipeline? So um, it happens all the time. It's completely normal for professors to get letter of recommendation requests from students who did well in their class, who they didn't personally mentor on research. It's still okay to ask. It happens all the time. It's the norm. It doesn't feel like the norm to you because it's your first time asking. It's your first time applying. And so, of course, it's daunting, it's intimidating, but on their end, they get these requests all the time. So, so long as you stay organized, you provide them with everything they need, a letter of recommendation packet with uh, your CV, with a rough draft of an application essay, um, uh, anything else that they may ask for, but uh, definitely the, the programs that you're going to apply for, the deadlines. Um, just give them the information that they need or that they request and ask early, ask at the beginning of the fall quarter. If your applications are due at the end of fall quarter, ask them for letters at the beginning of the fall quarter and then um, give them the letter of recommendation packet materials by the mid part of the term, um, at least a month before the first deadline. And then remind them as you get closer to the deadline just a gentle reminder um, that my deadlines for grad school are coming up. The first one comes up December 1st. I greatly appreciate your support. Please let me know if you need anything else from me. That's it, send them a reminder. And usually I also say, give them a deadline that's earlier than the actual deadline. That way you're not freaking out the day before because they haven't submitted it because they're waiting until the deadline to, <laughs> to submit it, you know? Some of us, we, you give us a deadline, we do it the day before. Um, so 
yeah, those are just a few things. If, if you're freaking out about letters, like don't freak out, check your transcripts, see whose classes you did well in. And by well, I mean B plus, A minus, A doesn't have to be a glowing A plus. Um, in some cases, some students have even asked folks who they've received a B in, and that's kind of on a case by case basis. And I would recommend scheduling a meeting with that professor so that you can express your enthusiasm, passion, ambition. So that way they can see like maybe you did not, you weren't like a stellar student in the class, but you are doing very well now. Um, so letters of rec, don't freak out. You can still get them in, even if you didn't have multiple faculty mentors. Okay, so what else is freaking students out? Okay, another thing that comes up a lot is the GRE. So feeling like you don't have any time to study for the graduate record exam. Oh my gosh, this has come up time and time again. For our students, we uh, pay for them to take um, a class, a GRE class. And as much as we want them to study every week and to meet certain study goals, I know for a fact that not everybody's gonna do it and that some of them are only gonna do the bare minimum because that's all the capacity that they have. And that's okay. More and more programs are making the GRE optional or they're not requiring it or they're requiring it, but they're not weighing it heavily. More and more programs are taking more of a holistic approach to, apply, to reviewing grad school applications. That means that they are weighing other things just as heavily, if not more heavily than the GRE exam. It's not as important as it used to be. Should you study? Yes, go ahead, especially in certain fields that some, some fields do um, weigh a little bit more, like in fields like physics or economics or um, what other fields, possibly chemistry, political science. It, the more um, quantitative the discipline is, they might um, have a minimum score. So definitely look into the graduate programs you're interested in applying to and see if they have a minimum GRE score. And when I have heard of minimum GRE scores, it tends to be like they want like late 150s, early 160s, which is 80 percentile and above. Uh, but if that's not the case, every other discipline, it's not like I said, it's not as important as say your application essays or your recommendation letters. And those are things that are within your control. You get to decide who's gonna be your recommender. You get to work on multiple drafts of your application essays to make sure that they're strong at the time that you submit them. So the GRE, do what you can with the time that you have. Um, for my students, study if you can, as much as you can, but if you um, find yourself you know, during midterms, right now we're in midterms, during finals, you can't devote as much time as, uh, uh, on it as possible. It's okay, you can always study a little bit more in the summer. And if need be, um, we can provide an extension. We'd like to get our students to take the GRE exam by the end of the summer at the latest. So that way they're good to go in the fall for grad apps. So if you are wondering about that, and you're one of my students and you're listening to this message and you feel you need a little bit more time, please reach out to me on a case-by-case -case basis. We're more than willing to provide that kind of accommodation. So the GRE, do what you can, 
but don't freak out. It's not the most important aspect of your grad school application. All right, now another thing that comes up is GPA. GPA concerns come up time and time again. And it's wild to work for a McNair program because there's a whole spectrum of GPA <laughs> scores uh, in the program. We've got folks who technically we're trying to get our students to stay at a 3.0 and above. And some students, I can tell they're working really, really hard and they still struggle to maintain a 3.0, especially you know, some of our students in STEM fields who have to take very competitive gateway courses, the, the weeder courses, what they call them, that really messes up their GPA. Um, so we've got students who are struggling to kind of maintain that 3.0. Then we've got students on the other end of the spectrum, 3.9s, like you can't get any closer to a perfect score. And all of them are freaking out just as much about their GPA. And just as a, as a TMI, like when I was an undergrad, I worked so hard. I worked so, 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 so hard. But man, my first year, because I, I did all four years um, at UCLA, those um, GE courses messed up my GPA. I mean, I, I really couldn't fully catch up after that. And so I worked really hard. And by my junior and senior year, I was still getting, I was starting to get straight A's. I still ended up with the 3.4. My goal was, I was like, I really want to get to at least the 3.5. I don't know why that number was in my head. It should have been a 3.6. So I could have had honors, but I, in my head, I was like, at least a 3.5. And I ended up graduating with the 3.49. And I was so ashamed, so ashamed because I saw some of my friends with their little gold tassels showing that they had a really great GPA. And here I was with my, what I thought was just the plain old average GPA. And I kept thinking I wasn't good enough compared to other people in my cohort and that I wasn't as bright as them. And all of that was just, you know, imposter syndrome, feeling like I didn't belong, being in a white supremacist space, being in a classist space, like all of those things were kind of like having me project those feelings. Um, but now I know that you can get into grad school with any GPA. Uh, it's just all about the way that you frame your application and the experiences that you accumulate to prepare you for that. So with the GPA, if you do have um, a low GPA and by low, um, it really, again, it depends on your discipline, but like below a 3.0 or the low 3.0s, like some disciplines, I might expect you to have like I said, 3.6 and above um, is considered a competitive G GPA score. So if you're at like a 3.1, 3.0, 2.9, you could always explain that in your application. In fact, I have a podcast episode on the topic of identifying and explaining justifying gaps in your application. I might even, let me see if I can pull it up right now, because I know that that one is actually one of the more popular podcast episodes from my analytics. Is it? No, my top episodes are writing the statement of purpose, the grad school list, DRE exams, all the things I'm talking about right now. Um, no, that one isn't. So I'm going to have to pull it up later. Actually, no, I'm going to do it right now. Um, how to address GRE. GPA and other gaps in your application. That's episode 38. So if you are really stressing out 
over a low GRE score, over a low GPA, um, go ahead and check out that podcast episode number 20. Wait, what did I say it was? Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, already, I already lost it, but it's okay. Just go back and rewind uh, <laughs> and, uh, and then go to my episodes and, and find that, that podcast on the topic of addressing a gap. So the GPA, not the end of the world, if you don't have the strongest GPA, um, it's, it's really hard to tell exactly who is gonna get into graduate school because I've seen students with nearly perfect GPAs not get into a bunch of programs and students with GPAs on the lower end get into a couple of programs. Um, so it's, it's hard to tell. That's why I'm like, don't, when students ask me when they're applying to the McNair program, how many students apply? How many students get in? Like, like it's, it's really hard to quantify these things because every year is different. So every year with students that apply to McNair, we have a different amount of applications that come in. And we also have a different amount of spots that are available. So I can't just say, this is a percentage and this is what it's gonna be every year because it does change. The same goes for grad school. This year was probably a more competitive year because of the pandemic, because I've heard from faculty that they've had, that applications to graduate programs have skyrocketed and that they have, some programs have less funding. Some professors are not taking students. And this is why if you're planning to apply to grad school, I'm not trying to discourage you. In fact, I want to encourage you to be proactive, to contact professors and programs that you're interested in, reach out to them, ask them if they're accepting students for this coming 2021 application cycle. That way you're not wasting your time. If they say yes, schedule to meet with them, see if there's good rapport. Uh, don't worry, they're not out to get you. They're not out to find out that you're an imposter, that you know nothing about the field. No, <laughs> they're not out to do that. And if they are, psh, you don't want to work with them. You're interviewing them too. So um, yeah, um, reach out, find out if they're accepting students. If they are, great, and keep them on your list. And if they're not, no means next. Keep Move on to the next application. Um, there are lots of programs for you to apply to and even though there have been more applications last cycle, again, I don't know what's gonna happen this cycle. This cycle, there might be less. Every year is changing. And now that the pandemic's kind of easing up, things are opening back up. I don't know what that means for the application cycle. So I can't tell you, yes, it's gonna get more competitive and might ease up. So don't worry about that part of it. Just worry about what you can do with your application to make it as strong as possible. And Really, at the end of the day, you want to prioritize your essays and you want to make sure you have your recommenders focus on the things that you can control. So I mentioned the GPA <laughs> and gaps. And um, what's another thing that has come up? Okay, the last thing that has come up as the reason why I created a calendar for that anyway is students freaking out about getting organized. So one thing that I don't think I realized until, I don't know if it was college or grad school, is I realized that, oh, wow, most people are not like me. <laughs> so as a child, someone who has dealt with childhood trauma and you know raised under 
challenging circumstances, one of my coping mechanisms was to one, be a perfectionist, which I'm working toward not being so much of a perfectionist anymore. And two, I just, I don't know if I've always been type A, but always like wanting to organize, wanting to focus on what I can control, becoming a kind of a controlling person. I'm working on that too. And in doing so, I've, I realized I've kind of gained a lot of organizational skills. I'm very good at organizing things and helping people get organized. I'm good at time management. And that's why I can do what I do, which is like, you know, run the McNair program and homeschool and take care of my baby. Obviously I have support too. I'm not just doing it all. Um, but um, yeah, time management, getting organized, all those things are not skills that come easy to most people. So I started to realize that like, oh, wow, a lot of students um, don't really use the plan, like use planners in the way that I do or update their calendars in the way that I do. Uh, they don't know when to do what to do, like they not knowing what every step in the process of applying to graduate school, like when are you supposed to take the GRE, for instance? When are you supposed to ask for letters of rec? When are you supposed to provide letter of recommendation packets? When are you supposed to open up the portals? When do they even open up? Uh, when, um, when are you supposed to submit your applications? Because the deadline may be December 1st, but actually you might want to submit it earlier because some applications require that you submit it early and then they don't send the recommendation letter link until after you've submitted everything. So all of that is like, ah, when am I supposed to apply for a fee waiver and not miss the deadline? When am I supposed to send transcripts to make sure they get there on time? When am I supposed to send GRE scores and make sure that they're not late? You see what I mean? Like I can, I can imagine why our students are freaking out because that's kind of overwhelming. Well, that I created that calendar that's on my um, LinkedIn bio on my IG. Uh, and on my website. Um, but yeah, so I'm going to be sending that to my students too, because everybody could use an extra resource. And if I can just kind of guide you and give you a rough idea of when that I'm, I mean, I, like I said, I'm not an expert. I've said this before, but like in my experience in overseeing and fem touring other students, what are like the like the ranges of time of when you should be doing like around this week you should maybe do this around this week you should maybe do that um i don't think you have to stick to it like so on point um not everybody has to be type a like me but having that rough kind of estimated um timeline might help and so um if you're my student, don't freak out. It's all part of our program. It's all part of the curriculum. It's part of the seminars. You're going to have a boot camp. You're going to be okay. Just stick with the process. You're going to be okay. If you're not one of my students, just keep listening to the episodes. Keep listening to the episode. I have a, a bunch of stuff. And as things come up, I'm going to keep recording on the things that come up for my students so that y'all that are listening to me can also get the same fem touring. Uh, I mean, the more accessible we can make this information, the better. I don't believe that everybody necessarily needs to go to graduate school. Um, uh, I also don't necessarily believe that everybody needs to become a researcher or a professor. I certainly did not become a professor, as you can tell. But if it is a, a required thing, if it's something that you know you need to do to get to your long-term goals, to get to the career that you want, if you want to get a master's degree, if you want to get a PhD, 
I'm here to help you. Like, why not have access to that information? Uh, especially if you self-identify like many of us do as first gen, as working class, as a person of color. A lot of times we don't have that hidden curriculum. We don't have access to that knowledge from our tias and tios and grandparents and brother or parents or whoever it is. Like, we just don't have that. And so it's, you know, this is why I do what I do is so that you all can hear this information, know that you're not alone, kind of validate what you're going through and hopefully make things feel a little bit more approachable. It's not easy. So if you're thinking of applying, I'm here to be your cheerleader. And after you're done applying and you're done with submitting all your apps, I'm here to tell you to like celebrate yourself because just applying is a huge deal. And then hopefully you'll get in and then another reason to celebrate. Um, but again, I'll be walking you all through the process, at least um, in the podcast and uh, students, my students, you know, seminars, one-on-one, you know, we've, we've got your back. You're not alone. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening. And I will talk to you all next time. Bye. Thanks so much for joining me in the Grad School Fem Touring Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please rate this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere you tune in. You can also support the podcast by donating to my Patreon page, Anchor page, or Venmo account, which is at Grad School Fem Touring. If you have questions or episode topics, you can contact me by sending me a DM on Instagram sending me an email to gradschoolfemtouring at gmail.com, sending me a voice message on Anchor, or sending me a message via my personal website at yvettemartinezvu.com. Until next time.